What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maisa Vichakras, episode 257. If you knew who walks beside you on the way that you have chosen, fear would be impossible. The seven chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body, from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My 7 Chakras. And now, your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's up, Action Tribe? AJ here, host and founder of My 7 Chakras, the show where we provide you the wisdom and action steps that will help you transform your life. So if you are new to our show, then I want to give you a warm, warm welcome to Action Tribe. If you've been listening to the show for a while, then you would know that we have a special Facebook group uh, for our listeners around the globe and our community just loves it. Why is that? Because our members are making big changes in their life. And as you know, a change is never an easy process, especially if you don't have supportive people around you. And that's where our Facebook group comes in and comes to your rescue. When you join, you'll find a community that will hold space for you, allow you to express your voice, share, collaborate and grow and really step into your new life, no matter what stage of life you are in. And our group will also hold you accountable, share resources and cheer you till the finish line. So if you consider yourself one of us, then you would want to join the thousands of other people in our group. Uh, then make sure you visit my7chakras.com forward slash tribe, T-R-I-B-E. That's www.my7, seven as in the word seven, my7chakras.com forward slash tribe. So see you on the inside. And having said that, I want you to uh, get to know our special guest for today, Corinne Zubko. So Corinne, are you ready to inspire? I am so ready. Thank you for having me. 
Great. So, Corinne Zubko is the author of the best-selling book, From Anxiety to Love, A Radical New Approach for Letting Go of Fear and Finding Lasting Peace. And that's the book that we're going to talk about today. She began her work with a course in miracles and mindfulness meditation after struggling with debilitating anxiety and panic attacks and now lives anxiety free she's a keynote speaker adjunct professor of counselor education at the college of new jersey uh, licensed counselor board certified coach and teaches weekly mindfulness meditation classes at a major u.s financial institution so thanks a lot for joining me corinne thank you so much for having me i'm really excited for what we're going to co-create today Awesome. So, yeah, it's really, really exciting and interesting. Uh, and like we always do, uh, my question to you is, what is your favorite inspirational quote and how do you apply it in your life these days? My favorite inspirational quote is a quote from A Course in Miracles. And this quote is, if you knew who walks beside you on the way that you have chosen, fear would be impossible. I love this quote because the way that I apply this in my life is remembering, trying to remember, striving to remember in every moment of the day that love's presence is with us, that there is an energy, a loving presence with us that we can turn to, call upon, and and really learn how to work with to work miracles, which we'll be talking about today. Mm -hmm. So thanks a lot for sharing miracles uh, and the fact that you're not alone. Action Tribe, uh, you might feel sometimes, especially if you're on this journey, that you're all alone. But uh, no matter where you are or what stage you are in life, you, you know, you have uh, people or spirit guides who have been assigned to you uh, uh, who are here to provide you symbols and nudges and, and some sort of support and mainly to assure you that you are not alone. And just like this quote sta states, if you knew who walks beside you, then you would have a energetic shift within you. And that's the goal of today's episode as well, is to help you uh, deal with some of the challenges that you might be going through and find give you the action steps uh, to find your way out. So with that, let's begin. What inspired you to write your book from anxiety to love? Anxiety. <laughs> so <laughs> my journey through life has been, I'd say one of my most intimately known companions has been anxiety. So I also want to emphasize that anybody listening, if you struggle with anxiety, one of the biggest lies that anxiety will tell you is that you are all alone. And I'm here to tell you today that you are not. Many, many, many of us struggle with anxiety and with fears. And I was actually diagnosed with my first anxiety disorder around the age of two. I was diagnosed mm. with separation anxiety disorder and my poor mother could not leave the room even in our own house without me screaming my head off. And that I outgrew, but the anxiety sort of morphed and took different forms. So the separation anxiety got better, but I became very phobic of different things. And when I got into college, I started having panic attacks and was diagnosed with another psychiatric uh, diagnosis called panic disorder and then generalized anxiety disorder. So it was through my own journey with anxiety and my healing from it, because I tried many, many things to try to help myself feel better. And what helped me has been this spiritual pathway of A Course in Miracles and also mindfulness, as you mentioned. And that 
as I wrote about what was truly helping my anxiety fall away, that is the that's the pages of From Anxiety to Love. My book is all of the tools, all of the techniques that help me come into this place of now living anxiety free mm-hmm. versus where I came from, which was being a mess. <laughs> Got it. Got it. So thanks a lot for sharing. And you do mention that uh, the anxiety journey was one of the most terrifying experiences in your life. So could you describe a day in your life when you had that challenge? Absolutely. I can even describe, you know, the time that I had the first panic attack because I woke up at three o'clock in the morning in the middle of the night with a punch in the stomach of stress hormones, of anxiety and trembling and shaking and sweating, my heart was racing and just feeling like I was about to die. And the anxiety panic attacks for anybody who's ever had one, you know, it is next to impossible to put it into words to help somebody who's not had a panic attack Mm -hmm. truly understand what it's like. So the best that I can describe it is it gives you sort of tunnel vision. It's like your awareness constricts to only be focused on the anxiety that becomes your only reality. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard. It feels almost impossible at times to step out of that. So those types of anxiety experiences, those panic attacks for me would happen out of the blue for years. Sometimes Mm -hmm. there would be a trigger. Sometimes there would not be a trigger. And it was really awful. It's, It's terrifying when they happen, but there's hope (laughs) and we can find our way out of them. Got it. Got it. Now you did uh, mention, you did speak about the concept of a trigger, right? So, and and of course, not all anxiety attacks are stem from a, from a trigger, but could you give us an example of some of the triggers that can trigger a panic attack and how does it all begin? Definitely. So triggers can vary based on your own experience. So I've worked with people who have had triggers where let's say they've had some kind of post-traumatic, you know, stress disorder. They've been through some type of trauma and then a reminder of that trauma, a sound, a memory can trigger that panic. For me, my trigger was very focused on fears of getting sick. So if I would experience some kind of unexplainable physical symptom, the thought would come up like, "Uh uh-oh, what is that? You know, it's probably... X, Y, or Z, fill in the latest disease. <laughs> and mm. that would terrify me. That would overwhelm me. And so so the fear of sickness was a big trigger for me. Right. And it could even be just a sensation. So if you have one panic attack, you know that there's this sort of like tingling sensation that you can get in your stomach and this sort of fear that just feels like it spreads throughout your body. In my experience, something like exercise used to even be a trigger because my in exercise, which is a great thing to do, your heart starts racing, you start sweating, and, and that actually reminded me of the anxiety enough that okay. I'd get afraid of it, and then the anxiety would come up because it was like, oh my gosh, is this happening? And then, you know, boom, it would happen. So I had to actually work through that as well, so now I can exercise again, but mm-hmm. um. I hope that that helps explain how triggers can be different for different people. Well, well, absolutely. And also, like, uh, in the beginning, you shared your your story, the fact that anxiety started for you at the age of two, right? And then as you grew up, you experienced different types of anxieties. So could you give us an overview? Because you used some technical terms. uh, But could you give us a basic understanding of some of the different types of anxieties that you had to go through uh, as you grew up? 
Definitely. So if you get afraid of um, a specific thing, so for instance, a phobia is like, I would not be able to go on an airplane without feeling like I was going to get overwhelmed with anxiety. I was terrified of it. So I avoided it. Or when I was really little, I was afraid of getting sick, like throwing up. So anything, anytime I had a, a stomach ache, um, I'd get very, very anxious because I was so terrified of throwing up. So that might be how a phobia looks. I used the word, um, the term panic disorder before. What that looks like is when you have a panic attack. Now, I want to say anybody can have a panic attack. You can be perfectly healthy and have a panic attack. It does not mean there's anything wrong with you. Panic disorder happens when you start fearing more panic attacks and totally rearranging your life. So those panic, you know, so you're trying to avoid those panic attacks. Now I do want to just say a little disclaimer. It's like the medical student syndrome. When we learn about different things as listeners are listening, please don't diagnose yourselves. Please don't start worrying like, Oh my gosh, that's me. Mm. If you're concerned, go talk to somebody. But this is really just, you know, to get an idea of the common ways that anxiety can show up for us because 40 million Americans suffer from different types of anxiety. And I think that's actually a low estimate. So that's, that's panic disorder. Generalized anxiety disorder means that worry becomes uncontrollable. We have a really hard time controlling very intense worry. And that worry can be about anything. It can be about getting sick. It can be about our loved ones, our safety. It just gets really out of control. With all of these disorders, there's there's significant distress and significant impairment. So I'm talking about experiences of anxiety on a high end of an anxiety continuum where about 40 million Americans or more exist. But if you think about it as a continuum or, or even volume, turn down the volume on these anxieties and we all occasionally have, you know, concerns and fears mm-hmm. surrounding types of things that I've described. Turn it down. We're lower on the spectrum and everybody can relate to anxiety just by getting up out of bed in the morning and yeah. facing the day. So there is a spectrum of it and we all at different points in our lives can, you know, move in and out or across that that spectrum. Oh, absolutely. And I think something that uh, everyone experiences, uh, you sort of alluded to that is the fact that if you open a medical journal, which is sort of explaining the different symptoms associated with illness or disease, and if you go through that, you might you, you might tend to feel, oh, I have uh-huh. that illness or I have this challenge, right? I don't know. There was a, there was a book that I read many years back. Uh, it was sort of a bit comic, a comical type of a book, uh, but the the character goes through the different symptoms and ex- feels like he has that symptom. So uh, yeah, it's important, like you it, mentioned, not to self-diagnose, right? <laughs> definitely, it's 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 the medical student syndrome with you know thinking that mm. you read something and oh my gosh, I must have that. That's something that you know many people can can be like oh my gosh, you know, is that happening? Medical students, counseling students, but right. yeah, only really connecting with like a licensed counselor or a doctor, they can help help you figure out if there is something going on that warrants more attention. And I'm a huge fan for therapy and it being really helpful. Got it. Now, now uh, I want to talk about how all of this affects our body now. Uh, how does feeling anxious on a regular basis, not, not once in a while, but on a regular basis, how does it affect our body and, and our health? 
So if you think about the fight or flight response, the fight or flight response in our body is there to get us out of danger. It's to mobilize us quickly. If we see Mm -hmm. a speeding car coming, boom, it kicks in, we get out of the way. When we are constantly turning on that fight or flight response with our own thoughts, meaning, actually, before I go there, there's there's a book title called Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. And it's a great book title. And if you think about it, well, why, why don't zebras get ulcers? And people do. Mm-hmm. When zebras have that fight or flight response, you know, when they're, they're running away from that lion, they have the fight or flight response, they get away and then they shake it off. You know, they shake off that excess energy and they go back to doing, you know, grazing and eating grass and, and just going on with their lives. We as humans can turn on that same fight or flight response as if we're being chased by a lion while we're laying in bed at night worrying Mm -hmm. about something. And so constantly turning that fight or flight response on can actually decrease our immune system. It can actually, you know, um, not do good things for our body in terms of constantly bombarding ourselves with stress hormones. But what I teach and what I teach through this spiritual practice of A Course in Miracles is that it just takes a moment, you know, for a miracle to happen, for a shift in our minds from fear to love, and that that shift in our minds is something really mm-hmm. possible. So we should not even have to worry, or, or I encourage people, because I used to worry, oh my gosh, I'm really hurting my body because I'm so right. anxious. And that would just become an anxiety trigger. You know, I'm worrying about worrying. Oh, okay. <laughs> so giving myself this sort of recognition that like, okay, this is where I am right now, but there's a way out and I'm going to be okay is really important. So I wanted to just add that. So (laughs) folks don't start worrying that they're worrying too much. (laughs) Oh yeah. It can go down a whole different spiral. So thanks a lot for clarifying that action tribe, you know, your fight or flight phenomena within you, if I can put it that way, has helped you survive. And if it wasn't for that uh, phenomena within you, then your ancestors would not have been able to survive because it helped them escape that tiger, that that level of anxiousness. But like uh, Karun is explaining, as soon as the tiger or the lion went away, things became normal. And that's why zebras, zebras don't have ulcers. But the situation today is that we are in a very safe environment. We don't have saber-toothed tigers wanting to attack us or elephants wanting to trample us. And the challenge is that we are turning this mechanism on and off and on and off and on and off with the power of our minds. And that's creating a lot of uh, physical and mental and emotional issues and challenges. And so... Karan, you've written that a lot of the anxiety has to do with our ego. Is that true? Yes. So the ego is a term that I use in my book, and this is also a term from A Course in Miracles. And I like to think about the ego as the fearful thought system in our minds. It is Mm. the voice that we all know so well that tells us that we're not good enough. It's self-judgmental. It's judgmental of others. It tells us that we need to worry, you know, that we should be afraid. And this ego voice, we're very accustomed to listening to, and we're very mm-hmm. accustomed to letting it, giving it power to, to turn on that fight or flight response within ourselves. So this ego voice is something that we can start to recognize that like, oh, okay, it's, coming up right now, I'm noticing that voice of fear and I'm going to choose again. I'm going to choose to actually not pump energy into that. And I, I want to choose 
a loving thought system. I want to come from a different place instead. There's, there's always two ways, whatever might show up in our experience and the ego would say, oh, this isn't good. Mm-hmm. There's always a reframe. There's always another way to see our experience. There's always another interpretation. It's like that proverbial glass half full or half empty. Which way are you going to see it? So mm-hmm. we always have a choice to pump our energy into that fearful voice or to choose again and listen to a different type of loving voice that's in our minds as well. Got it. Could, could you give us an example of uh, of this just so that we can understand when this happens in our life? Definitely. So an example of this fearful voice might be, okay, here's a great one. I am sure that people listening right now that you've compared yourself to another person that mm-hmm. you think, Oh, they're doing it so much better than I am. I wish I was them. Right. I'm no good because they're doing it better. That's the ego voice. The ego voice loves to make us feel like crap. <laughs> it loves right. to, you know, not have us shine our light and step into our magnitude. So what I would encourage listeners to do that if if you fall into that comparison trap, there's a quote by one of the Roosevelt's, I believe, comparison is the thief of joy. Comparison Mm. is the thief of joy. And how true is that? So when we catch ourselves comparing ourselves to somebody else, stop and notice that that's happening. Notice that that's just a fearful thought and say to yourself, I want a loving thought instead. I want a different way of seeing this. And Hmm. you can then step into looking at all the good that you're doing, all the strengths that you have, all the light that you're bringing into the world, and focus on that. Each one of us has a role to play. Each one of us has a role to play to express love in our lives in a very specific way. And we can't do anything like anybody else. We can only do it the way that we do it. And that way is needed. There are people that need to hear what we need to say in exactly the way that we're saying it. So it's important to know that we can shift out of that comparison and into into love, into self-love and appreciation. Got it. Thanks a lot for that example. And it's helped, I'm sure, many of our listeners make sense of uh, some of the ways in which uh, ego you know, appears in their in their life and and how to deal with it, how 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 to change that relationship from from ego to that of love for themselves and for the people around them, and also for the journey that they find themselves in. So uh, you you shared a lot of information with us so far, but are there some other or some more misconceptions that you've seen floating around about anxiety or about panic attacks? Mm, definitely misconceptions that. You're the only one that feels this way. Again, as I have touched upon, the anxiety has a way of narrowing our focus and making us think that we are the only person in the world that feels this. And you are not. (laughs) You are not alone. You're not alone in this journey. I feel like we all, as I've said already, have some degree of anxiety and so have healing, healing work to do. So a misconception about anxiety is that you're the only one that has it. I can assure you, you are not. As I've come out and shared my journey with others, I can't tell you how many people I know from high school and college who've reached out to me and said, Corinne, you know, me too. I have anxiety also. And so 
they were just really good at hiding it like I was. I'd put on a very convincing smile and cover it all up. And I encourage people to get honest that if you're struggling, reach out for help, talk to a friend, talk to a family member, know that you are not alone. So that's probably the biggest misconception I believe that's floating out there about anxiety is that you're the only one who feels the way you do. Got it. And I'm sure that uh, it feels very relieving and it feels uh, much more empowering, right? Knowing that you're not on this journey alone and that people before you uh, or along with you are experiencing similar challenges and that there is a solution to the challenge that you're facing. You just need to reach out and maybe ask a question uh, and, and, and get some support or help so that you can thrive on your journey. So, Corinne, what is the biggest lesson that you've learned from your experience with anxiety and helping people with anxiety so far? My biggest lesson, and now I, I recognize that this might sound new or weird <laughs> to some mm. people, but I've learned the biggest lesson I've learned from anxiety is that my small sense of self is not actually who I am. I truly believe, I truly, truly believe that each and every one of us is love. And I'm talking love with a capital L, that we are innocent and whole and that joy is our birthright. And so anxiety has really taught me that we are not separate from one another and that we're not separate from love. Love is what connects us all. It joins us all. And so we're never, ever alone in that. And as we step into this awareness more and more that love is who we are, if you think about it, if you are in perfect love, and I'm talking beyond romantic love. I'm talking like mm. the love of the universe. Mm -hmm. If you're touching upon this love, anxiety can't exist in that space. It has to fall away. So the more we can open up to this awareness of love's presence, anxiety has got to fall away. It just has to. So I, I've, I've really learned that this voice of anxiety or this voice of fear is just one voice in my mind. I don't have to listen to it. I have the power to choose again and to allow my awareness of love to be restored, which is the opposite of that constriction into anxiety. It's an opening up into an awareness of love. Well, thanks a lot for sharing. Action Tribe, connect with love. And when you say love, it's not just a romantic association with love, it is the more primordial love, the love that has come from time immemorial, the love that a child wants and seeks from his or her parents uh, just by looking at him. Uh, you know, the love of attention, the love of intention. And uh, this is what uh, people seek uh, innately. And that's why people are attracted to being part of a group or a tribe or a community are also receiving that unconditional love from their family. And the more we connect to this, the less anxious and the less challenges we'll have um, and the more easy it will be for us to progress. Now, uh, Corinne, you've got a very different definition or a very unique definition of what a miracle is, correct? So according to you, what is a miracle? Yes, yes. And, and actually, I'd love to just add before I define a miracle, you just said something so important that we seek for this love. We seek for this, you know, love with a capital L, but we as humans often seek for it outside of ourselves. We think mm. that love is going to come through the right job or through the right relationship or through the right house or living in the right location. 
this love can only be found within. It's within all of us. And so we have to turn within to find it. And so as we turn to find it, this leads into speaking about miracles. Miracles, we might think of, we might hear that word and immediately think like, oh, poof, you know, something appearing out of nowhere. And that's not what I'm referring to. Anybody can experience miracles. And there's actually a quote in A Course in Miracles that says, miracles are natural when they do not occur, something has gone wrong. And thinking about, so a miracle we can define in one of two ways. An internal miracle is a shift in perception from fear to love. It's the moment we recognize that we are seeing fearfully, like, oh my gosh, you know, what does this mean or what's going to happen? And we pause and we, we ask for a shift and we instead drop into just trust. We drop into peace. It's an internal miracle is that shift in perception from fear to love. But there's also an external miracle. External miracles are expressions of love. Every time we express love, and again, I'm not just talking, I'm not talking romantic love. I'm talking kindness, compassion. Every time we express love to our fellow human beings, we are performing miracles. And so that quote that I just shared, miracles are natural. When they do not occur, something has gone wrong. Mm -hmm. It's natural for us to express love when we don't what's gone wrong, but we started listening to that ego, fearful voice again. We've lapsed mm. back into fear. And so this is where the work happens, where in every moment, really, because this is a moment-to-moment practice, we can choose to shift our minds from, from fear to love in order for that love to flow through us and be expressed to others. Got it. So thanks a lot for sharing. I love this definition and this explanation that you've shared with us, the difference between internal and external love. The fact that the internal love is a shift in perception from fear to love and to peace and to trust. And this happens internally. The external love is the expression of that love that you feel inside, which is in the form of kindness or compassion that you exhibit to somebody around you. And, uh, you know, if you look at it, uh, you know, symbolically, what comes to my mind is the uh, expansion and the compression of the heart or maybe the lungs, right? So it's sort of like a symbiotic relationship. If you just express externally, you know, you need something internal as well, right? You need to, from time to time, experience those shifts in perception uh, or to experience love from within because the more you feel within, the more you'll be able to exhibit and express on the outside, right? So there's sort of like a symbiotic relationship between internal and the external. Definitely, definitely. The more we can truly love ourselves, the more we can truly love others. I definitely resonate with that. Got it. So thanks a lot for sharing that uh, with me, Corinne. Uh, So for someone who is listening to this episode, uh, whether they're, you know, on their way to work, driving in transit, or maybe at home, or maybe come back from home after a long day's work, what advice do you have to someone who is experiencing panic attacks, or maybe anxiety, uh, different types of anxiety on a regular basis? Great question. And what I'm going to share can actually be used by any of us right now in this moment. And let's, let's do this together right now. And you can do this with your eyes open. So if you're, if you happen to be listening and driving right now, stay focused on the road. (laughs) If you are sitting quietly and want to just close your eyes, you're welcome to do that too. But as we sit here, 
So again, this is a technique that can help somebody in the middle of panic or right now if you just feel really busy and a little bit stressed. Just sense your breathing. Just bring your attention to your torso. And I want you to soften your abdominal muscles. So just soften your belly. However you're sitting, if you're sitting upright, like away from the back of a chair, you might still need some of your abs to be holding yourself upright, but there's still some softening that you can do. So just soften your belly. Immediately, your breath just naturally is going to start moving your belly. It's a more diaphragmatic breath. When we are not tightening our stomachs, the breath immediately gets calmer and more diaphragmatic. When we are stressed, when we are anxious, we breathe from high up in our chest. Even culturally, we're told to like suck in our bellies and automatically we just start breathing from high up in our chest. When only our chest is moving when we breathe because we're tightening our belly, that's actually a pretty shallow breath and it's associated with stress and anxiety. So if somebody's, if you're having a panic attack in this moment, or if you're just stressed in this moment, soften your abdominal muscles. Immediately, that's going to let your breath find more of its natural rhythm. It's going to come into just a more natural sink, you know, an even rhythm. And that's going to help you if you are having panic or anxiety, it's going to help you move through it faster. And if you're not, if you're just stressed, that's immediately going to bring about a sense of more calm, a sense of more ease. So for people, so that's one quick technique that people can do. Another thing that I would say to people who are actively having panic attacks is, I, I can think of two things. Number one, know that the panic is panic. That's all it is. It's just intense anxiety. And it's in linear time, meaning it is going to come to an end. Panic attacks do not last forever. They come to an end. Mm. And so we sort of just can ride that wave. It's going to come up. It's going to be intense for a little bit. And it's going to fade. The other thing that I would say to folks who are actively having panic is that you are not going crazy. That's probably the number one fear of people who are having panic attacks is that they are losing their mind because that's what it feels like. I know that that's what it feels like because I've been there. You are not going crazy. You are not losing your mind. It's just an anxiety attack. So I would encourage people to remember that. Got it. Thanks a lot for sharing. Now, Corinne, uh, you know, you, you've shared this advice, uh, which of course can be used by anyone who's uh, listening to the show right now. Uh, what is it one action step that you'd recommend for someone listening? Uh, something that they could do right after listening to the show or maybe at the end of the day? An action step that people can do right now would be to pick one area of your life where you know you're getting tripped up, some area of your life where you feel like you, you want to change, you want something to be different, but get really concrete about this. It, try to not be too broad, like, oh, you know, I want to maybe live somewhere different. Like, no, like look, look a, bit, a bit more clearly and pick an area where you notice it shows up on a daily basis that it kind of trips you up. It might be a specific fear. It might be a specific concern or even a specific relationship where you have some relationship conflict. I'd want you to ask yourself, am I willing to have a shift in this area? And be so honest with yourself. Am I willing to have a shift in this area? If you're willing, that is the precursor for change. That's the, the, fundamental 
thing that we need to have in place in order to experience miracles, in order to experience movement. I believe that willingness is the precursor for all change. So identify one specific place that you want change. Find your willingness to see it differently. I'm going to give you three steps in this. The first step being to find your willingness. The next step, and this is now touching upon the teachings in my book, find your willingness, number one. Number two, give your willingness to your inner guidance system, to love, to your higher mind, whatever you want to call it, and ask for that miracle, ask for that shift in perception instead. And then the third step is to trust that you've asked for the shift and that shift will come in the moment you're ready to receive it. It might seem like, okay, I just did those steps and nothing happened. This is where we need to trust that the answer, I believe, has been given right away. This is what I teach in my book and what A Course in Miracles teaches. But we might be too blocked with fear to see the shift. And so this is where getting quiet, this is where dropping into meditation, journaling can be really helpful. Um, So I know you asked for one step and I gave you three, but to recap, Pick your problem, find your willingness to see it differently, give your willingness to your inner guidance system while asking for a miracle and then trusting that it's done. This is the healing process that I teach in my book. I break it down more in my book, but it is what I use for absolutely everything. And if you're listening and you're like, that sounds like a bunch of baloney, that's totally fine. I'd encourage you to just experiment with it and see what happens and let those results speak for themselves. Got it. So read the entire show notes for today's episode, including the inspirational quote that was shared at the beginning, the book recommendation, and certain nuggets of wisdom uh, that you might not have been able to capture, maybe because you're traveling or maybe because you don't have a pen around, whatever it might be. Visit my7chakras.com forward slash 257 because that's the episode number for today. My7chakras.com forward slash 257. Before a dream is realized, the soul of the world tests everything that was learned along the way. It does this not because it's evil, but so that we can, in addition to realizing our dreams, master the lessons we've learned as we've moved towards that dream. That's the point at which most people give up. Now, this is an amazing quote by Polo Coelho, the author of The Alchemist Action Tribe. This is such a powerful and profound statement about how the universe operates. The goal of life is to evolve to a new level as a being. And on this journey, you have many life lessons to learn. And one of it might be how to cope up or uh, overcome anxiety. Everything is in place and everything will unfold at the right time. But realize that you will be tested and the fulfillment of your vision will not happen so easily. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's not evil. Like the quote says, the soul of the world is on your side and it wants to test you because the point of setting goals is not to attain some external object. The point of setting goals is to find out something about yourself within that you never knew. So Kuren, share with us one major life lesson or life challenge. The life lesson will come later on. But what is that one life challenge that you had to go through in your life? What was it like? And then what steps did you take to come out of it? That's a wonderful question. And I, before I answer that question, just want to speak to that gorgeous quote that you just shared and really emphasize the part where you said the goal of life is to evolve. 
it is so important for those listening who suffer from anxiety to know that their anxiety is there to help them evolve. That's the purpose of it. It is a growth opportunity. And if we can look at it as a growth opportunity, we're going to stop hating it so much. We're going to stop wishing it is going, you know, we're going to stop wishing it away and instead can embrace it as a fact that it is, it is here to help us evolve. It's help. It can teach us. So thank you for that quote. The major life challenge has to be, in my experience, anxiety, the panic attacks. And I can, I can share, you know, a very specific example, or I can speak more broadly, but, um, the, the major life challenge has been anxiety. It's shown up in ways that have been extremely debilitating for me. And this life challenge, as I just shared, based on the quote that you shared, I've chosen to see it as a teacher. I've chosen to look at it as helping me to evolve. And therefore, the anxiety has brought me to an incredible place of peace instead of being lost in the anxiety, which is what I was afraid of. Got it. So if you had to summarize in just one sentence, what is it life lesson that you'd like to share with Action Tribe based on the challenge that you faced? My life lesson is that I am not actually, this is going to sound really weird. I'm not Corinne. I'm not a body. What I am, what we all are, is love. This is what anxiety has brought me to, is recognizing that I am much mm-hmm. greater than my small and limited sense of self, as are all of us. And this is available to every single one of us. Wonderful. Thanks a lot for sharing. It's really, really inspiring whatever you shared. And I'm sure that many of our listeners listening to this show right now resonate with what you're sharing. Because what I believe is that we all have a soul contract and the fact that we are uh, you know, spiritual beings having a human experience, we have certain lessons that we want to learn. And on this journey, the lessons might be uh, anxiety. The lessons might be how to overcome a financial challenge. The lessons might be, you know, how to deal with parents who don't care for you. We have different lessons that we need to go through. And instead of considering these lessons as adversaries or challenges and and feeling powerless, we should, in fact, uh, learn from uh, example. If 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 anxiety if anxiety is in our life, we need to learn from it. Uh, reach out, like you mentioned, reach out to people who can help us in this uh, challenge. And most importantly, realize that our inner guide is our biggest teacher. The love that we have within. If you're able to experience that energetic shift, that's when we can learn from our situation and progress along our journey. So, in other words, we are. Uh, spiritual beings on this physical plane with certain lessons to learn and one of them can be anxiety and if it is then we have uh, things in place that will help us progress on this journey so thanks a lot for sharing that Corinne thank you thank you so much this really um, is such rich material and I really resonate with everything that you just shared that we are spiritual beings and our task is to wake up to that and we can repurpose our greatest challenges to be means by which we awaken to this awareness. We can repurpose our greatest challenges to be our greatest teachers, to open to the fact, to the awareness that we are these spiritual beings. So Action Tribe, I hope you are enjoying today's session so far. Is there something that uh, you've learned or realized so far? If yes, then make sure 
that you share that learning on Twitter or Facebook so that your friends and family can benefit too. You know, many times you listen to shows or, uh, you know, uh, videos and nobody knows what you're listening to and they would obviously want to learn as well. So make sure you share that on social. Each of us has been put on earth to realize our dreams and goals, no matter what those dreams are. And you must realize also that each of us has our own goal and no two goals are alike. We each have our own personal legend uh, and comparing makes no sense. It will just cause us even more anxiety. And along this journey, we are not alone. We have been assigned spirit guides and mentors uh, who will assist us in providing us these signs and symbols along the way. So be assured that your cause has been taken care of. All you need to do now is to find out what is your personal legend and what is that journey that you need to make externally, but most importantly, internally. Because the time has come, action taker, to claim your destiny. And just like Rumi once said, everyone has been made for some particular work and the desire for that work has been put in our heart. So the desire is already there. You just need to awaken to that desire. And uh, of course, Karan has shared many uh, practices or many exercises that you can do in order to awaken to that desire within. And with that, we are now at the last round for today, which is called the Wisdom Round. Our regular listeners are well aware that this uh, round has four questions, uh, sort of like rapid fire style, so that people can take note and take action. So, Corinne, what is the best advice that someone has ever given you? The best advice, and I quote, this is something my stepdad said to me when I was knocked off my feet and on the couch with anxiety. So I, this is a quote from my book. He said it to me, and I say it to you. The best advice I've ever received is the statement, the light in you is too bright to fail. Whatever you're struggling with, the light in you is too bright to fail. So what is that one personal habit that keeps you going? Developing a spiritual practice and a meditation practice. It's fun. <laughs> it's really fun to go within, to really explore your internal world. And so that personal habit of developing my own spiritual practice, and we all have to find what works for us, and developing a daily meditation practice has been just life-changing for me. So what is your morning routine like? What do you do during the first two hours of your day? I do not jump out of bed right away. I lay in bed and I open my eyes and I look across the room at a piece of art that I made that is filled with images of my guides, angels that I relate to, um, saints, Buddha, Jesus. There's a whole bunch of different spiritual figures. We all can do something like this. I spend time looking at that picture, releasing everything about my day to them. I release my concerns, I put my life and my work into their hands, and I ask to see their love throughout the entire day. So that is what I do before I get out of bed. That probably takes maybe 10 minutes, sometimes not even that much. After that, I make my breakfast, I sit down, I open the window if it's nice out, and I, I try to just listen and again absorb the quiet of the morning before going about my busy day. Got it. Name one book that you'd like to recommend for our listeners today. A Course in Miracles. It's been a game changer for me, and it is a self-study spiritual book that people from all religions have benefited from. So Action Drive, I know how much you love the books 
that are shared on the show. And I'm aware that many of you purchase these books as soon as you hear them shared on our show. And that's why Audible.com is offering Action Tribe one free audiobook download uh, so that you can get to check out their amazing service. Now, I love Audible. I listen to the books myself. And in case you didn't know, they have over 180,000 titles to choose from for all your different devices, including bestsellers like The Chakra System by Anadia Judith. She's been on the show. Autobiography of a Yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda and New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. And I'm very sure that they have uh, the book A Course in Miracles as well. So make sure you check that so that you can get this book for free. Uh, so to download your free book, uh, go to my7chakras.com forward slash free book. Once again, that's my7chakras.com forward slash free book to start listening to your book as opposed to reading your book. Because once I tried that, uh, reading the book, uh, you know, was was second nature. I mean, uh, secondary. Uh, and I always love to listen to a book just like this podcast that you're listening to right now. So, Corinne, thank you so much for sharing uh, your knowledge and your wisdom and your experiences with us. Before you go, tell us one thing that you're grateful for and tell us how we can find you. I am grateful for you, the listener. I am grateful for everybody who's tuned in because you are showing up and you are committed to doing this work. You're committed to expanding your awareness, to remembering love, to being light workers, and to healing the world. So I'm grateful for every single one of you who are listening. You can find me on my website. I'm on all social media. My website is from anxietytolove.com. Awesome. We'll have that up in the show notes as well. Uh, Corinne, thank you so much for coming on our show, talking to us about how to go from anxiety to love and sharing your personal stories along with that and taking us one step closer to a human revolution. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so much fun. You are listening to My 7 Chakras. Go to mysevenchakras.com. Download your free gift, get inspired, and take action. Transform your life today. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.